0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln audio podcast. Turn your Bibles, if you would, this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, as we conclude our series, did Jesus really say that? If um, you have been around our campus long enough, any of our campuses, be it our Cornelius campus, our Statesville campus, or our East Lincoln campus, you'll... Hopefully have come to realize we like to have fun We enjoy um, taking humor and and, and matching God's word to it And and, and bringing it together and and, and living joyfully That's a good thing, it's appropriate, I believe But I also believe that there are times Where it is equally as appropriate To take what we're about to read very seriously There's a time for laughter, isn't there? There's also a time to reflect deeply and profoundly on words that Jesus says to us. Especially when those words are so powerful. Today's one of those opportunities for us to take his word seriously. My my prayer for you this morning would be twofold. It would be twofold. On the one hand... My prayer for you is that you would not leave here frightened. You don't need to be. We'll get to why. My other prayer for you, for others in this place, would be that maybe there would be a time of evaluation. -evaluation. Self-evaluation. You would take stock in your life and reflect on the words that Jesus is going to speak to us. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. What what am I talking about? What words? These words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, that day being the day of judgment. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, evildoers. Sobering words to hear, I never knew you. Theologian Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote this. He said, These surely are in many ways the most solemn and solemnizing words ever uttered in this world, not only by any man, but even by the Son of God himself. Indeed, were any man to utter such words, we should feel compelled not only to criticize him, but to even condemn him. But they are the words spoken by the Son of God himself. And therefore, they demand our utmost attention. Hmm. It's a solemn statement because, and you can see in your notes, we can go through all kinds of religious maneuvers, say all the theologically correct statements, and even claim to be following the Lord and yet be separated from God forever. Powerful words. Understand this. Our theology... Our our thinking about spiritual things. Our theology should be placed on the personhood of Jesus and nothing else. All of our theology should flow from that standpoint. Our theology should never flow from human values that have been conjured up in certain seasons of our society's times. Our theology should be grounded in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. Jesus would say, and he'll go on here in a moment to finish up these verses, that our theology must be built on him. And for it to be built on him, we have to take his words seriously. We, we don't always do that, do we? Honestly. I know in my own life sometimes I've, I've got to be careful, not just to drive real quick past some of his words, but to stop and to meditate and allow the full weight of it to confront me. And it's appropriate for us to do that this morning. He goes on, he says in in verse 24, therefore everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. You want to sing it? Jesus is saying, build your theology on me. Build it on me. Don't build it on anything else. So this, this incredible, and you probably sang that song in Sunday school, right? How many of you guys grew up, the wise man built his house? I told you I wasn't going to sing it, but I'm almost tempted to now because I'm like in it. Um, it. It's such a simple Sunday school song, yet it comes at the very end of the most serious of sermons ever preached. The most incredibly powerful sermon ever preached. It's a sermon on the mount. And, and, and it covers three chapters. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And I would encourage you strongly, please, this week, go, yeah, go home and, 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 and read it. Out of honor of our guest, you have homework. Get it done. He's going to call you or call your mom if you don't get it done. I promise you. Chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven. And in these verses, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is essentially saying this to the people. He's saying, be careful of religious mediocrity. Be careful of falling into religious performance. Fall in love with me. From chapter five, chapter six, chapter seven, Jesus is challenging the Pharisees and everybody who had listened to the Pharisees to not just go through religious motion, not just to go through religious ritual, which leads nowhere. In fact, I'm sorry, it does lead somewhere because Jesus says it does. It leads us from his very presence. He says, flee from that, avoid that. Chase after me. Because when you chase after me, it changes the way you live your life. And he begins to talk about different things. He talks about murder. He talks about uh, adultery. He talks about lies. And he says, religious work, just just being religious, it'll get you this far. But when you chase after me, you're going to take it to new heights. Amen. Listen to the heart behind what Jesus says, even when he's talking this enduring, um, I think is in chapter five, talks about murder. Here, here's religion. Religion is this. He says, you've heard it said that people long ago said you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Right. Here, so so here's the religion. Right. Here comes the relationship. Jesus takes it to another level. He says, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Jesus takes the best of our works and he says, meet me up here. Meet me up here. But we can't meet him up here unless there's a passionate pursuit of him. How many of you um, work with this guy? He, he's the guy that um, he like hates his job. He's there just to get a paycheck, right? The most excited that he gets all day long is when he gets to clock out, Right? And, and, and you can just tell he just hates being around there. But then you contrast that. How many of you work with someone who is extremely passionate about what they get to do? Like, they're weird, right? They're like, they really believe in what they're doing and they're passionate about it. And, and, and and there's this fervency that comes through with their work, right? I, I think of some of our firefighters in here, right? Passionate about what they get to do. And, and, and there's a difference, isn't there, between those who are passionate and those who are just kind of milking it, right? How many about what about you students in high school? Uh, you know that there's those kids that go to school only because the bus picked them up. <laughs> if that bus had not picked them up, do they would not be there? They hate being there. They despise being there. They just can't wait for lunch. Let get me through to lunch. But then they've got those other students who are like, yeah, they're just a passion to learn, right? There's a difference in their lifestyles, isn't there? When we are just living out religiosity, it's a passionless life. In fact, it's a passionless life that does not lead to eternal life. Jesus says, be passionate about me. He takes it as separate. You know what he says? He says, know me. Know me. These individuals that Jesus is talking about, I mean, they were doing some good stuff. There was some great stuff they were doing, but they weren't weren't there yet. They, They were missing something. They were missing a relationship with Jesus Christ. God isn't after your head, people. He's after your heart. He's after your heart. The challenge for Christians today is that we promoted an easy believism rather than teaching people what it means to truly follow Jesus. Jesus wants us to draw close and listen, listen to his words and the warning that's in his words as he quotes the prophet Isaiah. He says, These people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based on merely human rules that they have been taught. Jesus is after your heart. And you can do all kinds of great things, but if it's not motivated by heart, you're missing the mark. You, 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 I mean, I'm telling you, here's a scary thought, but it's a true—it's a true statement because Jesus said it was true. The day's going to come, that final day, when we're going to stand before Him, and I think a lot of us are going to be shocked at some things that happened that day. Because you—you you, you can preach, you can pastor, you can be a missionary, you can be a Sunday school teacher, you can do all these kinds of great things in ministry, and still not know Jesus. To not know his heart is to miss the mark. you got to know one another. Listen to what some of these people said. They said, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Lord, didn't we perform miracles in your name? And Jesus' response to them was, but I don't know you. Be away from me. And in scripture, we've seen that. We see that happen. If you look back in the Old Testament, you can look at King Saul, right? King Saul would prophesy, prophecy meaning this, not just foretelling of the future, but speaking about God and declaring things about God. And yet King Saul's heart was far from God. Casting out demons, you can read in the book of Acts, there's these seven sons. They're named um, the seven sons of Sceva, Sceva being the father which I always thought was like a fantastic name because he's kind of skeevy anyways, right? Skeeva, skeevy. <laughs> You'll catch it later maybe. Or maybe it just wasn't funny. So so he, here's this guy and, and what is his son's doing? He's actually casting out demons in the name of Jesus, but he's doing it for ulterior motives. It wasn't because he was passionate about it. It wasn't because of a relationship. And so we're left with all of these realities that we can do Wonderful things and still miss the boat. Jesus is saying, I have to know you. And so the question I face this morning is that very thing. Do we know him? Do we know him? Jesus clearly states that it's not enough to profess the lordship of Jesus Christ. We must live out that lordship of Jesus Christ. We can be lost in the work of God and not be living out the will of God. So how, what does this saving faith require? How is it that we can walk away with a sense of security that we should have? As I said earlier, the last thing that we should be doing is if you, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the last thing in the world that you should do when you leave here is leave in fear because his perfect love has come. He knows you. You know him and perfect love casts out all fear. You're good is what I'm saying. You're secure. Is what I'm saying. I'm going to show you some verses later on about that. So saving faith. How does this work out in our life? How do, how do we know that we are not going to ever hear those scary words that we just heard from Jesus. That I never knew you. First thing is this. Is that we have to understand God's grace. We have to receive God's grace. Ephesians tells us. For it is by grace that you have been saved. Through faith and not by what? So that nobody can boast about it. Nobody can brag about it. Nobody can say, look what I did. I did this, this, and that. And Jesus said, you may have done this, this, and that, but do I know you? And so grace is something that we have to absorb. And second thing that we must do once we know grace is that we got to accept it. We have to receive it. We have to actually take hold of Grace. Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and in your and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. not might be not might be you what? you will, you will be you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Third thing we need to know. So there, there, there's this acceptance that we have of grace, and then it moves us to works. Write this down as number three. There's good works. Now I want to walk this thing out because this may seem contradictory. You may think, well, we just got finished saying that it's not our works that gets us saved. So what, why is works even a part of this? I don't understand. Well, James tells us that faith without works is what? dead yeah you see something dead it, it stinks right there's no life to it faith without works is is dead now here comes the problem let me try to let me try to paint you the picture this way I I can I can I can buy Beverly my wife I can buy her flowers and I can open car doors for her I can I can take her to dinner Um. I can pick things up and move them around the house because that's really all I'm good for around the house. I can't put anything together, but I can sure pick things up. Um, and, and so I can do all those things. And how many of you know I can do those things and serve her without ever being married to her? I could have done all those things before, right? Like I, I like for Chris, I, I could serve you, I could help you, I could carry things for you, but I'm not married to you. Everybody say amen. Whew, okay. So now here's the thing with my wife, I did marry her because I was passionately in love with her. And because I am married to her, now, you know what I get to do? I get to open the car door for her. I get to buy her flowers. I get to go date her. And in me doing that, it does not make her my wife. She's my wife. Therefore, I get to do these things because I'm passionate about her. Am I I making sense this morning? What I do for Jesus is not based on me just these doing these empty works. Because I have to. It's because I get to. I get to serve Jesus. I get to be passionate about Jesus. I get to just go full throttle for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus showed up in my life in a real way. In a way that was so devoid of religion, but it was so full of relationship. Jesus showed up and said, Now I am yours and you are mine forever. What he's saying is I know you. And he did the same thing for you too. And in the knowing him is in the loving him. And to love him is compelled to do stuff for him. And so we need to be careful in our minds and in our hearts always that we're not trying to live a performance-based life with Jesus. No. It's one born out of passionate love. When Jesus said, I never knew you, you know, in the Greek, what, what that, that word tense there, it means almost like how a husband knows a wife, intimately. And Jesus is saying, I need to know you, intimately. And the fourth thing we understand is this, is that we have to have right construction. We have to accept grace. We have to, we have to do something with it. There, there's works that are involved, but it's works that's based out of passion. But right construction, meaning this, that our theology must be based upon Jesus and Jesus only. For a wise man, he built his house upon the rock. He constructed everything he had. Think about his house. Everything he owned, everything that was precious to him, he placed on the foundation of Jesus Christ. But the fool took all that he had, all that he owned, everything that was valuable to him, and he built it on something that was empty, that was hollow. Lord, Lord, didn't we we prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Lord, didn't we do all these things? Jesus would say, I didn't know you. Hey, you do so many great things. I guess my question this morning is this. Why do you do what you do? Why do you show up to church on Sunday? Why do you lead Bible studies? Why do you serve on the worship team or on the tech team? Why, why do you serve coffee? In the? Why do you do all these things? Why? Because if it's anything else than a passionate love relationship with Jesus, we're doing it wrong. We're doing it wrong. I want to read something to you. It's one of my favorite verses, and I want, but I want to read it out of the message. And I think it's it's what we have to do with the sermon like this, okay? How I many of you know, if, if, if we don't apply a sermon, we've just kind of wasted some time, right? If there's no way of taking what God is saying and applying it to our life and making it a part of our life, well, we, we just spent 20 minutes listening to some weird guy from Hawaii. I can think of other things to do. Psalm 139 says this. Investigate my life, oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about and see for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. The first thing that we can do in applying this is just to do open-heart surgery. And just to reveal, God, what what is inside here? Lord, why do I do what I do? Is it because I've been moved by you? Or is it because I'm just trying to perform some religious duty? What do you see inside of here? I think another thing that we can apply is this, and I think this is crucial. We have to answer this question because let me tell you what, people ask questions all the time of us, right? In life, we get all kinds of questions asked of us, but no question will ever be asked that matters as much as this, and it's this question, do you know him? Do you know him? Because let me tell you something, you can know a lot of things, you can do a lot of things, but if you don't know him, scripture's clear, isn't it? Inside your bulletins there's, there's some questions for you Maybe to think about this week It's so just some evaluation Living out that Psalm 139 That says examine me And I would challenge you this week To do just that But I want to read you another Thing that Jesus said And this is for those of you who maybe you're like me when I was younger. I read that whole thing and freaked me out. Anybody got kind of like the first time you read Jesus? You know, people are saying, Lord, Lord. And he says, I don't know you. Did anybody else get freaked out by that? I'm like, two of us are like scaredy cats. Great. You all did. I was like, man, what happens? Like I do all this stuff. Jesus, I'm going to get up there. And I was like, "Eh, not good enough. That's not what he said. It was was a question of knowing. And to know him is to belong to him. And to belong to him means you'll never lose him. Listen to what he says. He says it this way. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them from me. Great. No one can snatch them from me. Was on to say because the father gave them to me <laughs> and they're in my hand and I'm in the father's hand and ain't nobody getting that oh, why, why is that important let me tell you why it's important because you're loved you're adored you're saved forever in a world where we lose things the possessions that we have we can lose them so quickly can't we They're here today and gone tomorrow. But Jesus' grip on you will never, ever, ever get lost. It's done. My favorite words that Jesus said. (laughs) We can say, did he really say that? Yes, he did. He said, it is finished. It is finished. And so walking out of here today, my hope for for some of you would say that you would walk with your heads held high, maybe a little pep in your step, because you're known by Him. Would you close your eyes this morning? But my other challenge, first before we get out of here, is this: It's for those of you that got to answer this question. Maybe you haven't asked really answered it before. And the question is this: Do you know Him? And maybe. Dude, you could have gone to church your whole life and not known him. Because you've just never gotten into that relationship. Jesus kind of stays over here in this box and my life stays over here. And No, that's not a relationship. That's a religion. So my question to everybody in here this morning. Do you know him? And if you don't, why not right now? So if you've never just made that step, if you've never accepted him as your king, if you've never accepted him as your God, would you just raise your hand right now, right where you're at? And my second challenge to us is this. live passionately the Bible says the psalmist says this. restore unto me the joy of my salvation I think it's appropriate and okay to say restore unto me the passion the passion so my question to you walking out of here today and how you can apply this to your life is are you passionate still for him or has your relationship become routine Dulled your senses? Are you passionate about him? Do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember what that was like? That day? Do you remember? How freaked out you were for him? When it hit you, the weight of it hit you. Oh my! He loves me. He loves me. Do you remember? And do you remember how messed up you were by that truth? You just, nothing was the same and you couldn't be the same. and, And you just had to like live crazy on fire for him because, wow. Can I ask you this? Is it still there? And if it's not, do whatever it takes to fan those flames of passion again. So if you feel like you've been living just kind of a mediocre, distant relationship, I mean, it's not that you're not saved, but man, you just feel distant from him. The passion is missing. Gosh, we can have it again. We can have it again. I promise you we can have it again right here, right now. It can begin again. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Because I so badly want to pray with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fan the flames. Holy Spirit, fan the flames in every single individual who's raising their hands right now that are saying, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I pray. Right now, you would begin to feel something so deep within your heart that the Holy Spirit is just fanning a flame within you. It's going to be a fire that burns out of control as he reminds you how passionate that he is for you. I pray right now that there would be fire that would fall down in your lives. There would be a holy fire that would fall down in your life as you come face to face with the knowledge that you are loved, you are redeemed, you are called, and you are known. God, restore unto us the joy of our salvation. And we all declare this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.